0: Hello and welcome again to another episode of Five Plain Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to Indigenous artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bears people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of the Indigenous Art Programs at Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our Indigenous communities from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Aaron Shaw. Karen Shaw is a painter of Borderlands, The Spaces Between Worlds. As a visual storyteller, the child of an Oklahoma farm, Shaw tills the rich soil of dichotomy through her masterful use of color, iconography, and story. As a Chickasaw Choctaw artist, she creates in a state of tension, suspended between two worlds where both solemnity and humor pervade her art. She finds that truths are revealed in unanticipated ways. The trickster often appears throughout her work. The artist earned her BFA in studio art from Baylor University and her MFA from the University of Oklahoma. She is Assistant Professor of Visual Arts at John Brown University in Salem Springs, Arkansas, an international speaker and a featured artist in Visual Voices, Contemporary Chickasaw Art, among other exhibitions in the U.S. This podcast is hosted in part by First American Art Magazine, the leading journal of Native Arts, which is celebrating its 10-year anniversary covering ancestral, historical, and living arts by indigenous peoples of the Americas. Well... Let's jump into this conversation with Aaron Shaw. Aaron Shaw, thank you so much for joining us at Five Plain Questions. It's so great to have you here. Thanks
1: so much for inviting me.
0: Oh, no, this is great. This is great. Uh, would you be able to introduce yourself? Uh, tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, and what it is that you do.
1: Absolutely. Well, my name is Aaron Shaw. I am a citizen of the Chickasaw Nation. I'm from. Southeastern Oklahoma. I was born in Ada, Oklahoma, and I was raised on 400 acres in the middle of nowhere, uh, Gertie, Oklahoma. And um, I love the, I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I love my beginnings. I think you kind of can't get away from your beginnings ever. But that land was just so formative for me and so important to me. Um, so we had 400 acres, and there was on the land, there was this big rock structure. It was a home uh, that had been, there was a limestone quarry on the land and it had been built by um, the Native Americans that had first been removed to that land. And it was used as a Native American schoolhouse before my family um, lived there. And that that land was just, as a kid, I just roamed it. I explored it. I mean, it was like my full-time job to just discover everything that was happening out there on that land and my older brother and I, um, so that's where I'm from. And, um, I, today I'm working as an artist. Um, I am a painter and my work centers on stories, narratives. I'm really interested in the way that stories serve people and the way that they always have served people and the way they always will. Uh, I also am a professor of art at John Brown university and that's in Asylum Springs, Arkansas. So I'm in Fayetteville, Arkansas right now. And, um, yeah, it's a little, a little bit about where I'm
0: from. Hearing you describe, um, how you grew up, uh, 400 acres, uh, just sort of out there. Um, that sounds amazing, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm a country kid myself.
1: Yeah. I could talk about that for a long time, actually. Um, and I'm happy to, if you will, because it was just so formative to me. I mean, I actually, I mean, really in the last six months, I've been thinking a lot about my beginnings. And um, there was this, one of the things that I talk about in my in my work as an artist is the stream of stories that I feel like there's a a geographical location that exists where all the stories that have ever been written that are in the process of being written, they live in this place in in liquid form. And if you know where it is, all you have to do is dip your hand in the stream and you could pull out whatever kind of story you need. And I believe like that there was this like, um, limestone Creek bed that ran through the property and it was so beautiful because it was limestone. So you could always, the color was always really interesting. You could always see anything that was going on and it, and it would, you know, it would rise and fall. Like some days it would just be totally dry and some days it would just be rushing and, as a kid, it was something about that was just really valuable to me to just watch the this like the way I describe it the cyclical persistence you know of nature and it just unfolding and evolving. Um, but that land really, really, really formed me in in who I am today and my artistic and creative process, without a doubt. Because you said, I don't know, kids aren't raised like that today. I feel like I mean, I guess some are, but all that margin and all that room to explore and just freedom. And uh, it did something to me, I think. So I'm really
0: grateful for it. I think, I think the lucky ones are, are raised like that. Yeah, yeah. I know. Um, yeah. W- what, what has he reflecting back uh, recently?
1: You know, I think in some ways um, I'm experiencing this interesting um, experience of time right now and where i'm like looking at my life and i'm seeing all of a sudden i'm like oh i've been working at this for 25 years but i still feel like a kid you know and i think the i think the 10 year anniversary of the magazine and it, you know the article that they wrote that i'm sure we'll talk about later um that I was like, Oh my gosh, that's 10 years. Like that is a blink of the eye. And uh, there was a course that I was teaching this semester where I was, I'm working with art students and it's hard sometimes to remember what it was like when you were in the very beginning and you, all you had were questions and, and, um, and kind of going back to those places in my own story so that that can help them. So I think it's a combination of a lot of things, but um Yeah, I've really been really really reflecting on my beginnings and thinking about like what, how I, those the ways that I can stay connected to those things and what I want to stay connected to and what I want to like maybe infuse with more life and and creativity that I've kind of let go of or forgotten. So I think it's really the way that time marches on and (laughs) sometimes you just are almost oblivious to it and then you look up and it's like wow look at all that's happened this is really great.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So, on this on this theme of reflection, um, who who are your your biggest influences, uh, early on, and what's influencing you right now?
1: Yeah. Um. Such a great question. I I I don't know that anybody could really answer this question without saying that their parents or have been big influences. So, I mean, I think that I would start with my my mom has always been a primary influence in my life, without a doubt. One of the things, one of the ways I've seen her influence me is that she is, she's a really, really strong woman. Um, really embodies her strength in, in really interesting, beautiful ways. And honestly, the women in my family—I have aunts that I adore and love, my grandmothers—I just come from like strong women. And so, I think one of the things that that has Developed in me is just sort of um, I, I, an awareness that it that that is who I am. That's who I come from, and that and maybe in places because I've also been in a lot of contexts where maybe that's not a um, as appreciated. <laughs> but it's just it comes a little bit like second nature to me. The other thing about my mom is that she has this gift with people and all growing up, I would be anywhere with her and people would just like pour out their life stories to her. It'd be like in the grocery store. And that all of a sudden I just like, go grab something. And I'd be back in the checker would just be pouring out their life story to my mom. And this happened all growing up. And I think that one of the things that did for me was it really, it helped me have a value for people's stories and understand that everybody has a story and, and, I really do believe part of my love for stories ha- came from just being around my mom and the way that she could draw that out of people. Um, she's a therapist, so that is a natural kind of overlay. So she's always been a huge influence. Um, Marvin Embry is, I would say, like the the greatest art influence in my life. And he is who I consider to be my father. Um, he was married to my mom for quite some time and he was an artist. And he, um, he was just a really, really interesting person. And I think he saw, there've been a lot of people along the way that have seen some sort of seed of something in me or potential or a glimmer of something that have really empowered it. And I have, I think that I have really needed that. And I mean, I could go down a long list of people that have, have done that for me, but he, he, He really empowered me to be an artist. I don't know that I'd be doing what I am doing today if it hadn't been for him. And the thing that's so cool about Marvin is that he was friends with T.C. Cannon. So there was this group of five artists in Oklahoma. They called them. They were all at at the University of Central Oklahoma together. And so T.C. was there for a short period of time. And um, and but he and Marvin developed a really lasting relationship. And so I always kind of felt like I knew T.C., even though he was he was gone long before um I you know was really having these conversations with Marvin, but Marvin would just talk talk to me about him and his process and conversations they had and so I think also in those ways t c always has really influenced me as well um I mean I could go down a long list joe but and then I think the other one that that um honestly i so I have one son, Samuel, he's 16 years old and Samuel has, it's really interesting the way that you think in parenting, you think you're, you're the one doing all the influencing, but he has really influenced my life and my art life more than just about anybody. Um, and he continues to, he, he's a really, really trusted voice in the creative process. I can kind of listen to critique from him that, and take it from him that I, I might not be able to take from other people.
0: I, I think, um, you know, in cases of, like, uh, people who are the closest to us, uh, you know, your son, um, I know, like, in my life, uh, my my wife, uh, are able to give those critiques um, mm-hmm. in such a deep way that we trust, even if it's um, uh, the hard truth sometimes, you know. Right. But we, ex- we we trust them and we accept uh, Absolutely. their words. You know? Yeah, and
1: they, I think they know us in a way that maybe in some some capacities we may not even know ourselves, and mm-hmm. I do think that Samuel understands a lot about who it is I'm trying to be in the world and the work I'm trying to do, and we've just always been i mean obviously you're very connected to your children, but he and I've always had a really really special <clears throat> relationship and um, and we've done a lot of collaborations together and and it's it's just been. Yeah, he's the. Well, I just finished a painting not that long ago, and I was like, man, there's something wrong with this. And I just couldn't put my finger on it. And I said, come look at this. You know, nobody had seen it. Not one person in the world had seen it. And he came in, and he was like, blah, 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 blah. And, and it was, and I made the changes, and it was like shocking. I'm like, you're 16 years old. That's awesome. Anyway, so I'm grateful for that.
0: Does he have that art bug in him? Is that the part of who he is?
1: I mean, he's got it. For sure, um, mm-hmm. it, I don't know if he'll. I don't know what he's going to do with his life, but he could. I think he could go the distance as an artist if he wanted to. And there have been a lot of people who've said, "You're raising him to be an artist," and and I'm like, I'm not raising him to be anything necessarily. I'm inviting him into my life and I'm making room for him because I never wanted him to art can be you know being an artist can be really demanding in in some interesting ways and i never wanted him to suffer for for that i always just wanted to make space for him in the process and and i think that intention actually you do see in a lot of my work you you will see the literal like his literal hand in a lot of my work and um and it's different now that he's a little bit older um i keep I'm like hoping that we get one more collaboration together before he graduates from high school and moves on to the next season of his life. But we've done some fun stuff together.
0: So how have you developed your career in college and post-college?
1: This I don't know why this question cracks me up so much because I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't say that I have. Or how I have I, you know I um. I did go to college and get uh, an undergraduate degree in art. I kind of stumbled my way through that, though. I mean i I wasn't one of those people that grew up. I, I was always real tapped into my creativity. I was always doing really creative, funny, you know, weird things. But I really was never directing that into any kind of art practice. And so even when I went to college, I I didn't know that I was going to be an artist or that I was going to study art. I had no idea. And um, so I changed my major when I was a junior and I had no other co- core courses left to take. And so I just like dove into, to all of the art courses and and realized that that creativity and and sort of the way my brain works and my intelligence, it had a real, like, it really flourished in that space. But um, also I was like, just so very much at the beginning. So I, when I graduated from college, um, I also had a lot of, I think, mentors that didn't maybe understand the value of art. And I certainly didn't. And so I kind of walked away from, like i I just kind of walked away from it before I even gave myself a chance to develop and it was actually when Samuel was born that just kind of had this moment of clarity, and i was I had been really wrestling forever with like should I be an artist? can I be an artist like i was i i think in my life i've really not so much anymore, but I have really felt like I've needed permission for a lot of different things like I've been looking for permission in all kinds of different ways. And something about Samuel being born gave me permission to be an artist. And so when he was born, I started painting early, early mornings and um, haven't stopped since. But I can't say that I've had much of a plan <laughs> or, um, uh, you know, it's like I, I feel like I, my job is to just keep saying yes to the creative urges, the work that comes to me the help that I'm receiving, I just, I just keep saying yes. And it might seem a little naive or idealistic, but it really has been my philosophy. If I just keep saying yes to who it is I am, then then the right things are gonna show up. And it has felt like that. It just feels like things show up that I'm supposed to engage in, I'm supposed to give my time and attention to. But I mean, I've also have, I moved back to Oklahoma in from from Miami, Florida in 2009 and I um, started graduate school at the University of Oklahoma and you know for an artist graduate school obviously is like it's not necessary you don't you don't have to have any kind of formal training to be an artist but I was 30 when I started and I was already a mother and I was just at a different place I think I was very motivated and those three years completely changed my life I mean giving yourself that time to just develop your voice, your imagery, your ideas, figure out who you are. It was so valuable. And within the context of, of the university of Oklahoma and the people that were there at that time, I mean, I look at that and I'm like, God, that was such a gift. Um, the people that were just, you know, they didn't have a choice. They had to be a part of my process. Um, so the, you know, that, that time was really, really significant. And, but as far as like how my career has unfolded, it's just all felt like a gigantic gift. I mean, I, I'm not, I mean, I really woke up that this morning, I'm doing some work this week on campus. I woke up this morning thinking like, I cannot believe that I get to do this. It just feels like such a gift. Hmm. And I want to stay in that space, you know, because I think that there can be a nice flow of, you know, you're, you're, if you're flowing in gratitude and there's good things coming to you and you're giving good things out as well.
0: I think there's, there's real wisdom in that statement there. Um, and that's, that in itself is, is a gift that I think comes from experience. I think, mm-hmm. uh, your, your time in Oklahoma were there professors there, um, or instructors there that, mm-hmm. that left an influence on you.
1: Yeah. Who were they? Yeah, oh, I'd love to talk about them. They might be mad if I if I do. But (laughs) so, the head of my committee when I went in to the University of Oklahoma, the head of my committee, which upon entry is assigned to you, halfway through you get to choose your committee. But the head of my committee was Marwin Begay, and he's a Navajo artist and printmaker. Good friend of mine. Good friend of Joe's. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I mean, honestly, that relationship with Marwin. And, and I think because I was there, there, I was a little bit older, it was sort of like, you can engage in this as much as you want to. And, um, and I was just like there for it. You know, I was treating it like it was my full-time job plus. And so lots and I mean, hours and hours and hours of conversation with Marwin. And um, there is this one... I I mean, I will say, I think I've told Marwin this a jillion times, but I don't know if he really understands the weight of it in my life. So when I came back to Oklahoma, I was, you know how I said earlier, I was just always looking for permission. Because of my my experience with my own um, American Indian heritage, I didn't understand then what I understand now and i was just kind of wondering is it okay for me to be indian is it okay for me to engage these thoughts to follow these things is it okay for me to talk about them because in my in my family history when i when i enrolled i had to also enroll my mother my grandmother and my deceased great grandmother and I can tell that story now and I can say like, there's something incredibly beautiful about that, but there's also a lot of pain in it for me because I was always feeling drawn in to my story by my ancestors, but because I didn't have the same kind of maybe help from my family, it was just, it was painful. It was like, there was just so many reminders of all that had been lost in my family and, and um, things that I needed, but I didn't know where to look and, and just lots and lots of hard work, you know, around reconnecting and understanding who I am and understanding what it's like to be native American in the 21st century, you know, and, and Marwin, so i so marwin is navajo and he's just awesome and super super proud of his heritage which i think also is uh lovely um and pretty blunt and um which i also appreciate but i was real timid in conversation with him around my heritage because because of that probably and it was just about me and i remember the conversation we had where the first conversation i had been there for a, a bit of time before He realized that I was Chickasaw. And I remember him saying to me that I had been such an enigma, that he had really, really been trying to figure me out and understand me. Like I, there was something about me that was kind of mysterious, like couldn't quite put it all together. And he said, When I found out that you were Chickasaw, it was like all these conversations that we'd had just like scrolled through my head. And all of a sudden, you made sense. And I mean, that conversation for me at the time, honestly, I didn't even know what it meant. I just knew that it felt good. And then it felt like, um, affirmation and it felt like something I needed. And, and that relationship, I mean, that relationship has continued on. I mean, he's, he has been a huge, a huge influence. And, um, anyway, so that's one person there. Mary Jo Watson was there at the time. She was the head of the. Um, the art department at OU and she's like iconic and, um, lots of just incredible conversations with her. The other person that was at OU, she wasn't working in the art field at the time was Heather Atone and I felt like I had a lot of access to her big, beautiful brain (laughs) and, um, I mean, Heather has continued to be just an incredible influence in my life. I mean, I think anybody that knows Heather is would say that she's like such a gift to this world. But I look at that time in at o u was really actually before she was stepping into her curatorial work that she's doing now before she was working at the Fred Jones. it was a real it was like a moment that that I got to share with um with those people. Because, you know, now everybody, I think it's just the way that your life progresses and maybe you have less margin and less time. But we had a really special moment together that totally changed the tra- trajectory of my life. <clears throat> and, you know, I could also talk about lots of conversations with Heather that have empowered me. I'll just tell you one. So <laughs> she curated this show. Um, it was at, I was already out of school. It's called. Um the, from the belly of her being, I think. And it it was at uh, at OSU, Oklahoma State. And I was making this really large painting after having taken a trip to the Chickasaw homelands. And, and it was a story I'd never really read anywhere before. Um, but it was a story that came to me. Sort of like, you know how I said earlier that you sit along the stream of stories, you just stick your hand in the water. I felt like, it, I, sometimes I feel like that's how it happens for me. Just a story comes to me. And it was this story about the ancient shallow sea. And after I had visited the homelands in Tupelo, and um, how the birds had um, they pull threads from beneath the shallow sea and they wove them together. And it's kind of like the creation story for birds. But I was like, I've never read this story before. And I, I, I have all these feelings of responsibility. And I remember talking to Heather about it. And she said to me, if it's if it's a story that you tell, it's a Chickasaw story. And I was like, oh man. I mean, I could still just sit in the power of that statement. I think there's a ton of responsibility in that statement. But and I and I hold that very, very carefully, but I also do believe that part of our work in the world as Indigenous people is carrying the story forward. And we have to remain connected to our ancestors and to our history and to our time, but we are resilient and we are evolving and we are moving forward. And that maybe there's a place in that where it's appropriate that, that the expression also bends and moves and changes in some ways. Like I've always had this really interesting relationship with the, with the past. Like I want to be connected to it, but I also don't want to just replicate it, if that makes sense. So that story changed my life.
0: <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. that that's an amazing statement. Mm-hmm. That's that. Yeah. And um, I I know Heather as well. And yeah. What incredible, what an incredible person. Yeah. 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 Uh, what a place to be though, to be around mm-hmm. uh, those folks and the others in, in that place there. Um, yeah. Yeah. So how have opportunities presented themselves to you over the years I know as we move through our careers they come in different shapes and forms sometimes mm-hmm. we create those opportunities as well and I was wondering yeah. if you could speak to that
1: yeah that's a great question um, I, I will I mean I I will say again that I feel like um, there's something in my own life I guess there's something that has been really powerful about just saying yes to the creative, um, gift or urge or calling. I mean, I do, I do believe it's a gift and I do believe that like, that's what I want to do. I want to just like offer my gift humbly to the world. And, um, I think that there can be a lot of power in just that simple thing. And cause I look at like I look at my life and I'm like, I didn't even know, I grew up not even knowing I was going to be an artist. And when I remember when I was applying for graduate school, it actually was the first, I feel like I could say this now. I could never say this at the time because I was like real sheepish about it. But like, I never took a painting class. I never, ever to this day, I never, um, I never painted. I just was like, I've got to put it out. Out there, I gotta like, you know, go for it and see what happens. And so, when I applied to graduate school, I, I created a body of work to apply for graduate school. The first paintings I'd ever made, which I look at, and I'm just like, that is so ridiculous um, and presumptuous. I, I didn't feel presumptuous. I just felt like I need to try. I need to try this. I need to go for this. And so, I created this body of work. I mean, I had a an infant and I was like painting at 4 a.m. And the first body of work I ever painted and I applied to graduate school and I had a mentor who'd been the the head of the art department and he was a, a big influence in my, um, those years at Baylor University. And he was like, you're not going to get in, you know that, right? And, you know, OU is a great school. You're not going to get in. You should apply. When you're applying to graduate school, you should apply to a bunch of different places, And I just don't want you to be disappointed. And, and I mean, I remember that phone call. I remember exactly where I was. I got off the phone and I remember crying. (laughs) I was like, well, I mean, how do I know if I don't try anyway? It's kind of turning into a long story. Um, so I applied and I remember when I got accepted, I felt like I was just like, Oh my gosh, I cannot, I've duped the world. I cannot believe that they have let me in. And but it's, I hate to say it it has felt a little bit like that in my life. Like, um, I'm just going to kind of keep putting it out there and hoping that that's enough. And it has been, you know, and that's the, that's the strange thing. At some point, I feel like in my career, like maybe I'm going to be smarter or more strategic or, use more be more savvy um and i and there's sometimes i feel like that would really be good for me to do that but there's something about my relationship with my art practice that f- there's like a purity to it that i so desperately want to maintain and because it just feels like such a gift it feels like such a gift that i get to be an artist and there's so many days that I'm just like, I can't believe I get to do this. And I want to protect that. It's like this part of me that I want to nurture and protect. And I'm not saying that you can't be, you know, savvy and, uh, or more savvy or whatever than, and, and do that. But it just has, I think that that has been a part of, a part of the way I've approached it. And so, but to answer your question, one thing that happened, um, that I think was real important was it it just to answer your question it feels like things just show up and um and I always feel very surprised by it but when I was graduating from OU is when I can talk about this now or I can talk about it later um or you can edit however you want to uh is when the first American art magazine was launching well I had gone to CSAM, which is Chickasaw um, Southeastern Art Show and Market. It's a Chickasaw-sponsored um, market. And I had gone. I was still in graduate school. I had gone, and I – oh, my gosh. I'll never forget it because I was making I, – oh, I like to work large, okay? And I keep feeling like I should wise up and work smaller because people don't want gigantic paintings. and But, like, I just like working big. And I actually remember having a conversation with Anita Fields one time. I was like bemoaning this to her. I was like, I'm- I need to get smarter. I need to-, to be, you know, more intelligent about this. And she was like, whatever. She was like, you paint big while you can, while you're young, while you can. Because there will be a day where that will put a demand on your body and you won't be able to do it. And that was like wisdom. That was learned, lived, experience wisdom. And I was like, okay. That makes sense. So, so Anita Fields, she may or may not know that she's, she has perpetuated the large painting. Um, (laughs) but I had, it was before I do work a little bit smarter now work in panels, you know? So it's not like if I want to make a 10 foot painting, painting, I'll work in round panels or I'll work in segments, but this is the first 10 foot painting that I'd ever made. And it was 10 feet, 10 feet long. And so how do you get a 10 foot painting somewhere? Well, this is not like an unexperienced, an inexperienced painter. This is not something they think about. So I just build this 10-foot stretcher. I make this painting. And now I'm like, "Uh, I got to get it some places. You know what I had to do, Joe? Oh, God. I had to rent a U-Haul to take that 10-foot painting to Tishomingo, Oklahoma. (laughs) And I entered it into the market. And it won first place, okay? I was in graduate school. Maybe they were like, "She's worked really hard to get this here." <laughs> I don't know. Um, but when I was there, I met somebody that was um, a part of the a part of the project of getting the magazine started. It wasn't America, but it um, it was a a young woman named Natasha. I can't think of what her last name is off the top of my head. Anyway, and so this magazine is going to launch, and they want to do a profile on me, which was so perplexing. I'm in graduate school and nobody, I mean, I haven't even been an artist for a minute, really. And so they launched the magazine and they put one of my paintings on the cover of the magazine. And I think that all of those things, I think going to see Sam, which again, this is what I'm trying to explain to you. I just feel like I'm stumbling through my life. You know, I, I take this 10 foot painting to to Tishomingo, Oklahoma, I meet somebody, you know, they want to put my work in this magazine. And I think that that was really important, an important moment for me also, because it it got my work in front of people that maybe I would never have known. And I think also at the time, they didn't know if the magazine was going to be a success or not. And so like the stakes were probably a little bit low. I don't know. This is just me trying to figure out why did they put my painting on the cover of that magazine, <laughs> but but that was that was such a that was really really valuable and so much help and and there have been people along the way like it's to me the way that my I think the way that my life as an artist has unfolded has always been through relationships. I do really love people and I do really um, really value relationships and the people that are in my life. Man, they know that I will go the distance for them and so i met tony tiger and in the year after graduating i met bobby martin um and they just like embraced me like family and folded me in and and i actually those two relationships i've learned a lot about um art about being uh, american indian you know it's just so many things and bobby Bobby and I now work together at John Brown University, and he's like, you know, he's one of my all-time favorite people. And um, he really, the reason I'm probably at John Brown is because of him. You know, he wouldn't take no for an answer. And I tried really hard to say no. um, But, uh, you know, so I think that maybe my career has unfolded just through relationships and also just, I don't know, just continuing to... To say yes, one of my primary goals as an artist is to sustain a practice over decades, over the decades of my life, because you do see a lot of artists that they have a, a strong period. And then, you know, I mean, it's difficult. It's difficult to, to maintain a creative practice. It is. But that's one of my goals. And so I think that if you know what you're what your intention is, which for me is to go the distance, then you make choices along the way. Um, so I, if I can be sustainable, if I can have practices that feel good and sustainable in the present, then to me that, that makes me feel like I'm going to be more likely to be able to maintain this. And, you know, you have seasons. Like the season I'm in right now does not feel sustainable, but I, I can see an end in sight but i think that that connecting to what your your values are and letting that lead the way even when i mean i have a lot of people that kind of roll their eyes at me you know when i'm like just just keep saying yes just you know keep being open um tr- try to like one of my spiritual practices right now is just to greet the day with a yes like i i feel like and it's not about saying yes to everything it's just more about saying yes to the day and yes, to what the day holds for me. And, um, because I think that when we are like that, we have all of this internal resources that we are supposed to like gift to the world, you know? And, and, and when we say, when we have an open posture and we're saying, yes, that's, there's a flow that's allowing that to flow into the world, but When you're doing that, you're also allowing what's happening out in the world and and other people and the universe and creativity to also flow into you. And so, you know, when there's otherwise, I mean, we can create a lot of blocks for ourselves. And I'm really trying to remove the blocks because I want the flow to be there and be evident in my
0: life. So the structure of this podcast, mm-hmm. um, I remove or I, I limit what I say because this is your space. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are so many things you're saying I want to respond to. Yeah, you know, go for it. I uh, love it. You know, <laughs> you know, because Anita Fields, um, she's talking to her, feels like I'm talking to one of my aunties, you know, mm-hmm. um, the the warmth and the wisdom that, that yeah. comes from her. Yeah. Um, and then the season, this yeah it's it's almost a on a unattainable unsustainable season of saying yes and working and working and working um you I think I assume we're probably uh, in the same age range and I'm kind of in that too where it's it's sort of yes to a lot of stuff um I don't know how long I can do this uh Mm -hmm. as far as saying yes to everything Mm -hmm. but it does feel like it's moving towards something, maybe Mm -hmm. a little more, or putting me, um, I think the listener who's in the same position as us is, you know, trying to set themselves up for, to be in a place where they can, um, maybe focus on, uh, something a little more substantial, um, or a little more centered at some point. I don't know. Um, yeah,
1: absolutely. I totally feel that, what you're saying Mm -hmm. that resonates Mm -hmm. big time. Yeah. I think there's also, like, there's a part of probably, like, moving into, if we're assuming we're the same age, m- um, um, midlife, you know, where you're, like, um, I don't know if you know Randy Woodley or not, um, but he he lives in, um, he's a Native American guy that lives in, um, he's much older, done a lot of really, really interesting work in the world. Um, he lives in, like, the Seattle area. I had a conversation with him recently and he said, if you're looking for it in midlife, clarity will come. And it's, I don't actually know if it's that conversation that I had with him that made me realize, Oh, I can have clarity if I, if I start to look for it in a different way, or if it's just, maybe that's just what happens. But I do feel that right now. I feel so it's just crazy almost like things that have felt very arduous or difficult or confusing or um, just feel really clear and I feel like I feel a real empowerment in my own life right now that is I've never felt before, and I mean I think that there are things in my life that can point to that you know I come out of a really painful season and I think pain has the way a way of of doing a good work in us if if we allow it. Um, but also, I think midlife, and you're just like, man, I got one life to live, and and who am I giving my best energy to, and what am I giving my best energy to, and and are there ways for me to maybe reevaluate that and redirect that so that I can live the truest, so I can be like, you know, loyal to who it is i'm supposed to be in this world and to my family and to my community and um i feel a lot of that in my life right now and it's not something i've ever experienced before it's totally new but it's good i'm like (laughs) i want more of this for sure so i don't know i don't know exactly why like what the um you know what the catalyst is for that but i'm very open to it
0: i'm right there with you yeah um it's, it's happening to me right now as well. You know, just, uh, yeah, this measure of, of how much time is left and where, where we're going to put those, those energies, you know, to make yeah. the most of, of what this is. Um, because yeah. the one thing we, we can't get back is time, you totally. know? Uh, yeah. I love that. So,
1: I love to hear that for, for you. Also. I'm like, I'm encouraged by that as well. So that's awesome.
0: Yeah. So, with that being said, what would you say to the eighteen to twenty two year old that's that's listening wow. to this conversation?
1: Oh man, the eighteen to twenty two year old. I mean, well, I work with eighteen to twenty two year olds, so, and which, by the way, is such a gift to my life. You know, it's what's so awesome about working with with young people is, especially in that age range, there's the growth can happen at such an exponential rate like when, when a student comes in as a freshman, in my current position, I, te- I teach them as freshmen their first art class. I teach the Visual Arts Foundation class. And then the, their last class I also teach, which is an Advanced Studio 2 class. And so I, I will see them in their development in between those two classes. But if I don't, I've seen them their first semester and their last semester. And It's just remarkable every single time. It's like you're not even the same person. And there's something about that that's so good for me because it just reinforces this like reality that we get to continue to grow and evolve. And this life is not static at all. But that doesn't answer your question. What would I say? Um, I would say that, I mean, what I've already said is, that there's so much power in saying yes to the creative. I mean, I'm talking, I mean, I guess we're not necessarily talking specifically to artists. I talk a lot to specifically to artists, but I think this applies to anybody. I mean, um, the hard work, I think it's such hard work to really dig into understanding who you are and who you are meant to be in the world. That's really hard work. Um, it has been really hard work for me. And I, w- I would say, especially for indigenous young people, you know, they're, they're coming probably with all kinds, to that question with all kinds of, well, in some ways, like so much more knowledge and wisdom than many people, but also depending on their experience, you know, it, there's, there's a sense of um, separation and distance and, and, and maybe not being understood in the world um so i think doing the hard work of really pushing into who am i and asking those questions and who is my family and um who was my family in the world like what are the parts of my family that um that are present in me and like digging into that and really doing that work is going to pay dividends forever you know it's going to reward you forever Um, I mean, I just want to tell people, be who who you are. Like, in in 18 to 22-year-olds, they may struggle with that even more, but there is something so incredibly inviting and and winsome about a person that is just embodying who they are. There's nothing I love more than meeting somebody that's just like a little bit or a lot quirky, you know? And you're just like, man, you are really you. But yeah, I think my advice is like, be who you are. The world, especially in your with your American Indian ap- approach to life and orientation to life and perspective. I mean, gosh, the world needs that so desperately. And but it does take, I think, a lot of strength and a lot of like internal strength to step into whatever place. Maybe that's another thing, is like, you know, I had this conversation with Samuel not that long ago. That's my son. Um, he was learning about Oh, I don't know what he was learning about in school. Some sort of misunderstanding of historical figures. Maybe they were studying about Columbus. Um, I don't know what they were studying about. And he he'd come. We have these conversations. We just circle back around. You know, they they can be like week long. And he'll come into the kitchen and he'll you know be talking about something he learned or something somebody said that he knows isn't right. And and you know, there's like always this. I'm always trying to lead him to he's he's real intelligent. And so I'm always like, you're gonna have to learn how to temper that intelligence with some humility. Cause nobody wants to hear a 14-year-old or 15-year-old like educating them on, you know, but also empowering his voice. Like I think there's a tension there, you know? Cause I want him to be strong. And anyway, so he's circle we're circling around this conversation and Um uh for weeks. And he comes in, he has a real way of doing this, just like going cutting right to the heart of something. He comes in one day, we're talking about he just looks at me and he goes, So we're talking about like loss of life and removal and the greatest genocide of all time, you know, and 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 all of that, and and saying like a lot of people won't talk about it in that ways, but when you look at the numbers and, and what was lost, it's tremendous. And Um, and he come, he comes in one day and he goes, so mom, he just looks me like straight in the eye and he says, so it's a big deal that we're still here. And I was like, yes, yes, that is it. And so I think another part, and I think that understanding and him coming to that has empowered him. I think there's another piece of, of advice that I would give is to every, every place that you, every Every place you find yourself, step into that place and say, Say who you are, be who you are, because it is it is a big deal that we we are still here and our voice is needed and um like I I don't I I think I want I want eighteen to twenty two year olds to feel not the way I felt, which is like, is it okay for me to to be Indian? Or even to be Indian in my experience? Like I couldn't change the the way I was raised, there's no way I could change that. I had no control over it. And actually what I have learned is that um, my experience actually typifies uh, a native experience because of like, I am actually the result of removal. (laughs) I am the result of assimilation. I experience distance and separation and exile. I, experienced all those things, but that hasn't been the end of the story for me. And it won't be the end of the story for me. So I think that's a part of the advice I I have for young people also is like to, to embody it, to say yes to that, to, to, um, you don't need permission to be who you are. (laughs) Just go be who you are. (laughs)
0: that perspective, um, that being a a result of removal and yet here you are, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it didn't work, you know? Um, (sighs) I think, that's great. That's awesome.
1: I'm glad you said that. I like, I felt that just like move through my body when you said that. Yes. Yes. Didn't work.
0: Didn't work. So what, what do you have going on right now? What's, what's coming up for you?
1: What do I have going on? Let me tell you the most exciting thing I have going on.
0: Um, the
1: First American Museum, have they have commissioned three artists to do on-site installations or murals. Mine's not going to be a mural, but I think the two other ones will be. So they have a sun terrace, a star terrace, and a moon terrace. And so I will be creating um, – I am creating some artwork that is going to go in the Sun Terrace, and it's basically exploring like if this isn't just the biggest topic on the planet, um, the Sun, as it relates to our cosmology, and um, it's it's the project is being sponsored by Boeing, so it's supposed to be STEM related, but which I think is so interesting, and then um, doing that through an indigenous perspective, and um, Samuel and I are going to collaborate on that. Or we are collaborating on it. We're, we're sort of, um, the last time I collaborated with Samuel on a large project, he was nine years old. So it's, a, we're kind of learning this different way of collaborating together. Um, but he, when, and we we kind of, it was kind of unintentional. We went for the site visit and uh, we were, you know, walking around looking at it all. And he like took my sketchbook out of my hand and he's like writing notes in the sketchbook. And and he's there, Heather, Atone uh, tone was kind of giving us a little bit of the, um, you know, she's just a well of wisdom and she's like talking about different things. And he's over there taking notes. He gets in the car and he's like, and I just looked at him and I was like, I mean, he was just talking nonstop. He was, I was, I realized that might not translate to the, <laughs> to the audio. And, um, I said, do you want to collaborate on this? And and he was like well, what do you mean you know cuz he's a little he's he's not quite as um you know he's a little bit more guarded in his 16 year old self so we're going to collaborate on that i'm super excited about that that's exciting um i and then I, the other thing that i have going on is i'm just doing a lot of um i'm i'm traveling a lot going to Different universities and working with their students and in, in different contexts with that, which I'm like, I love that. I'm so excited about that because I love I love people, and so being in a new context and working with art students, um, that's really really fun. And then I have this project that is ongoing that has been happening with um, that has been a collaboration with Bobby Martin and Tony Tiger, and it's called Altars of Reconciliation, and it's it's about um, basically. Christianity's influence in Native communities, and that is a, that, I mean, we've, that show, I think we had our first showing, like, two two 2018, and it's, right now, that's in Connecticut, and that's, um, so that's kind of ongoing, but I think I'm on the, I'm on the cusp of, like, a totally new body of work, and that's the, that is also really, really exciting, so.
0: What, um, where, where can the listener find your work? Uh,
1: they can find my work on my website, um, erinshawart.com. And I don't have, I never have really, uh, I don't have gallery representation. I've never worked in that way. Um, maybe I will in the future, um, but mostly online they can find me any number of places. Um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter all the things which maybe I can send you those and you I don't know if you post those or what
0: yep we'll we'll put links in the okay. show notes for okay. sure so great yeah not a problem yeah uh, so before we go um, you know we're we're having this this conversation uh, in celebration of the the 10th anniversary of first American art magazine and uh, you did touch on it earlier in the conversation. Um, but do you have any sort of, uh, some reflections of that time and what's happening right now with, with the magazine?
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, the magazine, man, what an amazing success it has been. I mean, and honestly, no surprise at all. I, I feel like um, America is, she's just such a an incredible force in in such a unique way. I mean, she's so, so brilliant. I love talking to her about anything. I feel like you could ask her a question about anything and she just, she's got like a reservoir of information. I mean, I'm really, I'm so grateful that I have been able to be a part of the magazine. It's felt like a real gift to me, but 10 years ago. Yeah. I mean, so I have recently, they did a, they did another interview recently. um, And it was interesting to think about because, you know, one of the questions was, let's talk about the 10 years. And I think it's, time is so interesting because it really feels like a blip. Like it doesn't feel like anything. But when you say 10 years, it kind of seems like substantial. Like but there's some things that have happened. And there have been a lot of things that have happened, but the thing I think is so interesting is because I, I already mentioned that I was in graduate school. I was finishing graduate school. And, um, when they did that first profile and and put that painting on the cover of the magazine, and I just felt like I had no, I, I didn't know anything about art, about being an artist. I didn't know anything about who I was. I mean, that's not altogether true, but it's the way it felt. And And, but I think I also really didn't know if this was going to work. You know, like, am I, I'd kind of like put all my, my, I just put it all on the table and said, I'm going to go for it. But then you're in a, you're in three, a three-year period of time where you're like supposed to make art and be an artist. And then what happens when you like move out of that educational space into, um, the world in a different way, you know, there there was a lot of like, is this going to work? Am I going to be able to do this? Am I going to be able to sustain it? Those were all real, real big questions. And, um, and that was only 10 years ago, <laughs> you know? And so when I look at all of the wonderful things that have unfolded creatively in my life, I'm like, um, I don't know. It's just this real sense of gratitude because I didn't know if it was if if I could really be an artist, you know? I just didn't know. And now I'm like I'm an artist, and I'm going to be an artist, and I'm going to continue to be an artist. And um so you know, there's there's a lot of um sort of forming that has happened. I feel like I feel formed. I feel more um just like I don't know. That's that's the word that comes to mind. Like, cause I don't know that confidence is really the word. I just feel more formed. Like mm-hmm. what what was so um insecure and also just yet to be seen. I think there's a part of that. It's like there there are things that are yet to be seen and you don't actually know. You walk it out and then it's like one little thing, one little thing, one little thing, all of a sudden it kind of adds up to something that is significant. And um I feel like these last 10 years have been so formative for me and that I'm stepping off into the next 10 years. the, The next 10 years are going to be incredible. I really feel that, you know, and I'm, and I'm so excited about, about what is, what that expression in my life is going to be like in the next 10 years. And that is probably just because of the foundation that has, you know, that's there. And just, I think it's also because I'm not asking the questions that I was asking. I'm just not asking for permission anymore. So, and I think that probably also is like maybe midlife. You're like, what is the point of this? Who am I looking for permission from? So I'm kind of granting my per- myself permission to, to do this. And by this, I mean my life and, That just seems like that's a good, there's going to be a good (laughs) result from that, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for this. This was an absolute pleasure. I really enjoyed this conversation.
1: I did too. Thank you so much for, and just thanks for making space for the conversation, inviting me. It's, uh, I hope that we we have more conversation moving forward and I'll be interested to hear what happens in your life as well.
0: And that does it for this episode of Five Plain Questions. I want to thank Erin again for her time and sharing her story with us. I really enjoy sharing space with storytellers, uh, people who are able to uh, find, find a way to be able to communicate their experiences, um, not just verbally, uh, which of course makes for great podcast episodes, I think, like this one, um, but is able to, to do it in such an artistic way that has real legitimate meaning. And on top of that, uh, to be able to share that experience with her, her son, and to be able to have this multi-generation uh, creative experience, um, I really think that's, that's a great thing. And so I'm really glad that we were able to share Aaron's story with you, and to to have this time all together. So that was that was really great. Um, you know, and of course, this is the 10th anniversary of First American Art Magazine. And she is one of the first four that were in that first episode, and so I'm just grateful uh, for America Meredith and First American Art Magazine to be able to be a sponsor and to uh, help host uh, this episode. It was it was such such a great episode to be able to have. So this was the second of four episodes. Uh, the next episode will be coming in the first week of May, and the fourth episode. Uh, will be on uh, the first week of June. So be on the lookout for those upcoming episodes. And yeah, we're really excited. Those are great conversations. Um, I'm excited to share those. I also want to thank you for joining us and spending your time listening to what I feel is a very important story and perspective from our community. So please, join us next week as we speak with another incredible person. I'm Joe Williams. You can find me on our Facebook page, our Instagram page, which is 5 Plain Questions, and the PlainsArt.org website There you can see our programming, our past videos, and these podcasts. If you have a suggestion for someone for me to speak with, please uh, let me know. Uh, Reach out to me on Facebook or at our plainsart.org website. Uh, My email address is jwilliams at plainsart.org. Yeah, shoot me an email and uh, let me know who I should be talking to. I really, really appreciate that. All right, you take care, and we will see you.